If I was to ask, what's the most obvious physical sign of a pregnancy, what would you say? Well, I think most of us would say, I would suspect, that the easiest and most obvious sign of a pregnancy is the obvious increase in belly size. Well, of course, that depends on the size of the belly to begin with. But nonetheless, there are other physical signs and body changes due to pregnancy which may be less well understood by the soon-to-be mom as well as others. Pregnancy is a very complex condition, and it may affect women in different ways. Yep, it's true. Some are gifted with a problem-free pregnancy. No nausea, no blood pressure abnormalities, no complications, and no skin changes. But others are not that fortunate. In this podcast, I thought I would cover the mask of pregnancy. I have a OB patient who is a social media influencer and has a pretty large following. She's been very open about her pregnancy, but she came to me with one very, very drastic concern. Of course, my mind automatically went to something horribly wrong. She said, I got to talk to you about something. Something's wrong with this pregnancy and I need you to help. Of course, what's going on? And she said, I've got this little spot on my face. And so after looking at it and examining her and talking her off the ledge of fear, I told her that that's called part of the mask of pregnancy. And so we tackled that at our visit. And of course, I thought that's a great podcast question. So ready? Let's cover the mask of pregnancy. Are there some treatments allowed during pregnancy or should we just wait to the postpartum period? And what about things like chemical peels or laser of the skin? What's the data show about that? Well, I'm going to tell you in this session. Just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practice because medicine moves fast. This is Clinical Pearls. Melasma is called the mask of pregnancy. It's also called cloasma. As an interesting medical tidbit, the word melasma originates from the Greek word melas, which means dark or black and refers to the typically described brownish or tan dark spots or patches on the face. Some have even described those areas of discoloration as having a mild greenish tint. This is why the condition is also called cloasma. This comes from the Greek word cloazin, meaning to be green. The medical term for this is acquired hypermelanosis, but most know it as the mask of pregnancy. This may involve just one small spot or maybe over the entire forehead or cheeks, the malar area, and it also can affect the upper lip and the chin area. Of course, the skin changes arising from pregnancy are not limited to the face. The areola may also darken in color. The labia majora may also darken. And the thin pigmented line from the belly button down to the pubic hairline, the linea may become darker, hence linea nigra. According to published data, this linea nigra darkening can occur in more than 90% of pregnant women. The linea nigra can increase in width and intensity throughout all pregnancy. It's known that melasma occurs in all ethnic and population groups. This can affect 50 to 70% of pregnant women with higher occurrences or prevalence in females of darker skin types. There are two other factors that come into play here that result in these spots. These include the amount of UV light exposure the woman gets and her genetics or her race. 
because this is mainly a response to higher estrogen levels, which can also occur, of course, by taking birth control pills with estrogen or even hormone replacement products, this is typically a female issue. Although the general accepted female-to-male ratio of those affected is about 9 to 1, that's been the historic norm distribution. A more recent study took into account a population analysis of close to a 1,000 melasma patients, and it found that the ratio of those affected was actually more like 39 female-to-1 male ratio. Sorry, ladies, it does seem to be more of a female-predominant issue. Well, is this a deeper issue? Now, we know that some skin conditions do in fact point to a deeper problem. For example, darkening of the skin around the nape of the neck, like acanthosis nigricans, can be a skin sign of high insulin levels or prediabetes. But this mask of pregnancy is not like that. This is typically just skin deep, no pun intended. In other words, it's a cosmetic concern only and not a sign of something else going wrong internally. Now, I need to say that again because a lot of women get these concerns that potentially this could be a marker or a flag of some impending fetal doom. So just to be clear, there's no data, there's no evidence either in the obstetrical or dermatological literature that these hyperpigmentation changes of pregnancy are associated with any increase in adverse neonatal outcome. Well, let's get into the why this happens in pregnancy. Well, the answer is pretty complex and likely a result of multiple factors, but one reason does stand out. It's the same reason it can happen with estrogen-containing birth control pills and at times, though much less frequent, hormone replacement during menopause. And that answer is estrogen. Estrogen increases the amount of tyrosinase, that's a pigment-forming enzyme in the skin. This leads to more melanin or skin pigmentation. Estrogen also acts on the melanocortin receptors on the skin. This makes the skin cells more sensitive to the sun. This is the reason that UV exposure can make the condition worse. Now, we shouldn't throw estrogen completely under the bus, although it is the guilty culprit causing melasma mayhem in pregnancy. But outside of pregnancy, there could be other factors. For example, dilantin. Melasma can actually be triggered by dilantin because of its response in skin tissue. Now that we've settled that, what about treatments during pregnancy? Can melasma be treated during pregnancy? Well, typically, the answer is no. While there are a variety of topical and safe options to try during pregnancy, experts in women's health prefer beginning treatment of melasma after delivery. And the reason is that most of these treatments are unlikely to be as effective as they maximally can because they still have the high estrogen levels that exist during the pregnancy itself. Plus, it's possible that these skin changes will naturally fade with time after delivery. Although, in all disclosure and all honesty, it could take months for that to happen. But all is not lost. Understanding that photoprotection or UV protection remains the most important aspect in management of melasma, here are two main tips to help reduce melasma frequency in pregnancy. First, limit UV light exposure. Since UV light, or the sun, can actually cause more pigmentation, it's a good idea to use sunscreen. Best is to use physical barriers like zinc oxide rather than chemical blockers as they are the safest for use while pregnant. Remember that experts in women's health suggest or recommend something with an SPF of 30 or more. 
Secondly, don't forget to tell patients to wear that hat with a brim. Wearing a hat with a brim while pregnant can also help protect their face from UV rays and the formation or worsening of melasma. Well, this brings us to our next issue, and that's the use of natural agents as topical remedies. I mean, are these safe? Well, that's exactly what my patient, the social influencer, brought with her. She had a list of items that she found through online blogs and online commentaries about how to treat these pregnancy skin spots. Well, the truth is there are a list of homeopathic or topical agents that have been published online. Some of these include things like licorice extracts, niacinamide, mulberry extracts, arbidin, azelic acid, kojic acid, and vitamin C. Yep, regular old ascorbic acid. Citric acid and vitamin C, ascorbic acid, and even lactic acid-based creams are all available in some over-the-counter creams, and in fact, they are safe to use during pregnancy. Another option is alpha-hydroxy acid. This has been used in hyperpigmentation patients with some good results. So if you're going to tell a patient to get this, they have to make sure that they get this alpha-hydroxy acid in a glycerin base because that helps prevent absorption into the skin, making it safe to use while pregnant. According to a recent 2018 medical review that was published on the efficacy of these homeopathic or over-the-counter agents, they actually found that there may be something to their use. The authors stated, quote, The ingredients show promise as natural treatments for patients with hyperpigmentation disorders. However, the lack of clinical studies is certainly a limitation, end quote. So, in brief, yeah, they can help, and they're generally considered safe, and they may be a cheaper option to try than seeking something that's prescription-based. But to be safe, most would recommend waiting until after delivery to begin specific treatments. Once the pregnancy has ended, then typically healthcare providers are free or freer to provide more topically traditional agents that we know have better data than these natural remedies. These are considered first-line options and includes single, dual, or triple combination medication products. The first is topical hydroquinone. This is a common skin treatment and works to even out skin tones. This is called a skin whitening agent and it works. The most effective creams that contain this will require a prescription, but these consultations are readily available online as well as in person. Based on available data, hydroquinone use during pregnancy does not appear to be associated with any increased risk of major malformations or other adverse effects. However, because of substantial absorption compared with other products, it's best to minimize exposure until further studies can confirm its safety. Another reason to avoid them in pregnancy is that their use may cause excessive skin sensitivity while still pregnant. Topical administration of hydroquinone has not been studied during breastfeeding. Although it's not contraindicated during breastfeeding, some experts feel that long-term use is difficult to justify in a nursing mother. The next option, again typically reserved for after pregnancy, is tretinoin cream. This, of course, is a special compound available only by prescription that lightens the skin tone. This is the same cream that's used for acne in the form of Retin-A. This medication is a retinoid, remember that's vitamin A-based, and oral consumption of tretinoin, which is isotretinoin during pregnancy, has been clearly linked to birth defects, so these oral medications are never to be used in pregnancy. 
But this medication, when used on the skin, topically, is poorly absorbed from the skin, and it's rapidly broken down. In the most recent and largest study that was reported, no differences were seen between groups in rates of spontaneous abortion, minor birth defects, or major birth defects in women who used or did not use this topical agent. No child observed features of retinoid embryopathy. Although the topical forms of these medications have not been linked to any birth defects at typical usage dosage, they are nonetheless typically withheld out of an abundance of caution until delivery occurs to eliminate any potential risk of fetal harm. So, in brief, avoid any over-the-counter creams or lotions when pregnant that contain retinal acetate, retinal lineolate, retinal palmitate, and retinal Propionate. Man, I'm glad I got through those names. I honestly didn't think I was going to be able to do it. These creams that have these medications are typically anti-aging or are the anti-skin blemish creams, which again are totally safe to use outside of pregnancy. And while the data shows there's no harm during pregnancy, out of abundance of caution, just wait till after delivery. Next option is tretinoin along with a mild steroid cream. This is a dual combination. Depending on the type of skin affected, this may be more effective than tretinoin alone. As when each is offered alone, it's recommended to use this combination, again tretinoin with a mild corticosteroid, until after delivery. And then there's a third option, which is all of these three medications, which is triple combination topical medication. This uses hydroquinone, tretinoin, and a corticosteroid to lighten the skin. And once again, must be said, usually recommended until after delivery. So my patient, after we discussed this whole list of topical agents, then said, well, I want to forget all that. I just want to do a chemical peel. All right, that started another angle of discussion. The addition of chemical peels to a topical treatment is considered second-line treatment for melasma. Again, as these may increase skin sensitivity during pregnancy, it's recommended to leave this option until after delivery. Also, some chemical peels, if performed incorrectly, can cause a number of unpleasant side effects, including scarring. Some strong chemical peels can penetrate the deeper layers of the skin and can enter the bloodstream. The effect of this on the developing fetus has not been well studied. Lastly, some of the chemicals used in peels, notably salicylic acid and trichloroacetic acid, can enter the bloodstream if used in high concentrations and should be avoided as their safety has not been proven. But one type of chemical peel called a superficial peel is considered the safest to use while pregnant, and that uses lipoic acid. It's a typical antioxidant, and it works together typically when combined with vitamin C. This protects the skin cells from oxidation. So the result? Healthier skin. The effective concentration of lipoic acid can range from 0.5% up to 5%, and at this dose range is not associated with any toxic effects to the body. So this kind of chemical peel, again a superficial peel, is considered to be safe for use during pregnancy. Well, this brings us to laser therapy. 
Laser and light therapy represent the alternative third-line approach to treat melasma. Remember, topical agents is first line. Second line are things like chemical peels. But in pregnancy, try to stick with a very natural or a mild chemical peel. And then third line is laser therapy. This is rarely done in pregnancy. The target of laser treatment for melasma is the pigment cell itself, the melanocyte. There are several different lasers for melasma. But there's a word of caution about laser therapy. Make sure that if you're going to refer somebody to have this, that that provider, that healthcare provider, that laser technologist knows what they're doing. Because remember, there can be increased skin sensitivity in pregnancy. Melasma patients should stay away from intense pulsed light or broadband light lasers. These should also be avoided in people of darker skin due to its potential to cause scarring. Researchers have examined safety of skin lasers during pregnancy. A study that was published in 2019 reviewed reports from all specialties regarding the use of lasers during pregnancy. The data spanned 1960 to 2017. The researchers concluded, quote, the available evidence limited to low evidence level case reports and series indicates cutaneous laser therapy during pregnancy is safe for both mothers and fetuses. Furthermore, there should be no risk of fetal laser exposure from commonly used cutaneous lasers. End quote. Skin laser therapy is once again rarely used during pregnancy because of the fear of increased skin sensitivity. So it has to be said for the final time: try to leave it until after delivery. All right, podcast family, we have covered melasma or cloasma. The mask of pregnancy. We've covered the first line, second line, and third line options. And while some are considered safe to use in pregnancy, it's always just best to just wait until after delivery. By removing that excess estrogen exposure, can only make any of these treatments much more effective. As always, thanks for being part of our podcast family. We'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls.